and welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 65, presented by BetUS. 65, Connor. 65. Obviously, the Andrew Bodnerchuk episode. Of course. Duh. Duh. Of course. Obviously, one of only two players to ever wear the number 65 for the Bruins. The first was... Brett Harkins yes. in 1997. That was before I was born. So that I remember him vividly. Startling. Yeah, I remember him vividly. Um, but yeah, still, not a still lot of... with the Bruins, I think, right? I think, isn't he a scout? Is he? I That'd believe be tricky, so. Yeah, so maybe we, should yeah. cha- maybe we should change it to the Brett Harkins episode. Maybe make it that. There you go. So Brett Hark- no, Andrew Bodner, Chuck, see you later. Brett Harkins, it's your episode today. Um, but anyways... Uh, this is uh, Poke the Bear episode 65. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? How you doing? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just waiting for the Bruins to play, which is dumb because I don't know everyone why. Everyone else is already playing. Yeah, everyone's playing. Gonna take, guys are going to have like two games under their belt by the time the Bruins finally play. It's wild. Oh, oh, I know. And all year we're going to be like, oh, the Bruins are three games behind. Remember, you know, they could factor into the standings. Um, but anyways, this is the season predictions episode. Bruins beat was sort of season preview. Poke the bear. We're going to, we're going to lay it all out there and we're going to make predictions. Now I just, for NCAA.com, I just made my, uh, end of season college hockey bracket predictions. So I am on a hot streak for predictions. Mm. I am feeling it with predictions. I'm telling you, these are all going to be right. Is, no UMass, is UMass taking the, taking the ship again? UMass is the number one seed, and they're winning every single game this year, and they're winning the national championship again. Isn't that wild? It's no, very bold. I actually do not have them as a as a one seed. I have them as like a low two. So um, BU number one, of course, right? BU is BU is number one overall. BU's in it though. BU BU is in it. Um, I went against my my roots. I went against my beliefs, and I did put BU, but I put BC in there as well, so it evened itself out. Anyways, enough about me. Uh, this is the predictions episode. So we're going to go kind of, we're not going to do obvious ones. Like we're not going to do like MVP or like leading goal score. Cause like some of them are pretty obvious, you know, like obviously leading goal scores, Jake DeBrusque. Mike Riley. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Him too. <laughs> All of them. John Moore. Um, but we'll kind of go pressing issues, uh, that have sort of one answer to it or maybe multiple. So the first question is what could dismantle a promising season for the Bruins? We'll start from a positive, <laughs> a positive area. <laughs> Typical Bruins podcast. Let's just, yeah, let's go to DEFCON 1 right away. <laughs> what could dismantle a promising season for the Bruins? Uh, I will let you go first. What would dismantle a, a good season for the Bruins? Well, uh, Evan, it's kind of, we've talked about this team, and I think we're on the same wavelength in terms of the fact that uh, it's a very, intriguing team i think there's a lot of promise there's a lot of guys who can bounce back and have strong seasons and kind of supplement the production you know you're going to get from the top players but um it's also a lineup that a whole lot can go wrong like this is a team that it's, i don't want to say boom or bust that you know they're going to go from like you know going for a top five pick to, to winning the cup but if <laughs> quite a few like you know key cogs you know fall out of order that they they sign things can go haywire um i I think especially look at the defense, I think, uh, is where I'm gonna, f- gonna focus on in terms of where things can go wrong. Um, it's a defense that is not built like a traditional, maybe Stanley Cup, you know, championship team. I think if you look in years past, regardless of the play style of, you know, let's say the Lightning or the Blues or even like the Canadiens, one thing they all kind of have in common is they've got a lot of big bodies on the blue line. 
Bruins are not built like that, really. It's more of, you know, uh, transition play, you know, smaller players, um, which is definitely a gamble. Um, could it work out if, you know, these guys are just continually pushing the puck out of the D zone? Maybe, but I think how that decor fares, and especially with injuries, I think that's the biggest concern is that you've got, you know, Riley and Grizzlick and those guys that I think can be very effective. But if one of those guys is out for an extended amount of time, even let's say like Brennan Kahlo, which you saw, he went out last year and you didn't have that shutdown presence against the Islanders, all went haywire. So uh, how that decor kind of plays off each other, uh, throughout the season, especially against bigger opponents, teams that they could play in the playoffs and, uh, the depth, especially where if you, I mean, if, if you lose Charlie McAvoy, you, you know, you know what's going to happen. But even like losing, let's say Riley or Grizzly or Kahlo for an extended stretch of time, uh, who you turn to next is going to be a big problem, I think, where other than maybe a Brady Lyle or a guy like that makes a big step forward. So, um, I think decor for me is intriguing, but, a lot of questions that I think still need to be, you know, asked and answered about how they can fare over the span of a full season. Yeah, that, that, so that was what I was landing on because I was trying to think. I was like, you know, the Charlie McAvoy injury would be huge. Uh, that would be yeah. DEFCON 4. Um, but, yeah, I mean, up front to me, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of options. So it's like, well, if one guy doesn't work, you can put someone else. And, like, that fourth line, you have other options. You know, Jack Stadnika you have there. You could try Hall on the second line if Coyle doesn't kind of come through. But on D, I keep going back to that, like – you don't have a ton of depth. So what if a guy on the left side goes down, you turn to what? Jakob Zaborl, John Moore. Guy on the right side goes down, who do you turn to? John Moore, Brady Lyle. Like you don't have a lot there um, to fix things. And that's why I think we're going to probably hit on this later of what we think this team will trade for at the deadline. Another way I think uh, could dismantle a promising season for the Bruins is a Swayman injury. I think a Jeremy Swayman injury in net hurts you in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, I think if Olmark gets in, I mean, if either get injured, it's not good. Uh, but I feel like Swayman's kind of riding that momentum. You know, he's got that momentum. He's he's young. This is good. These are good reps for him. Um, Olmark's still kind of adjusting. If Swayman gets injured, I think you're you're in some real trouble. Uh, and we'll get to that in a bit. Also, another thing that could dismantle a promising season for the Bruins: World Ends. World Ends. That, I mean, that, that would hurt. It, I'm not saying it's the real end of the world, but. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. Like, it would make things significantly tougher if it was a cataclysmic event. So, yeah, let's hope that tough. doesn't happen. On the bright side, that also means the Montreal, uh, Montreal or Toronto will not win the cup either. So, Ooh, if we yes. have to find silver linings, I'm well, just also, saying. I'm just saying. But I'm, also, though, Toronto can't lose in the first round if there's no playoffs. So then that's that also true. kind of a you bad. Know, yeah, let's so, probably just avoid that scenario. Then you're right. Let's let's yeah, hope that, fingers crossed. Doesn't not happen. It, it almost happened in twenty in 2019-2020. So, like, that almost did happen. And, of course, it was during a President's Trophy year. People are still going to, going to go to their graves saying, damn, if the world didn't almost end, the Bruins would have won the Cup in the spring of 2020. And I'm here to tell you they probably wouldn't have. Um, <laughs> it's a very uplifting season preview, isn't it? Yeah, we're crushing The world is guys, ending. What can go wrong with the Bruins? And they wouldn't have won anyway in 2020. Aren't you guys so happy you're listening to us right now? Um, all right, so we figured out what would dismantle a promising season. Uh, who is the top scorer outside of Brad Marshan and David Pasternak? Because last year, those two guys started off the year injured. So it was like, who's going to kind of step up in their place? But obviously, we know those two guys are going to be the top two scores on the team most likely right i mean we're not going to sit here and be like yeah, who's no. going to score the most goals yeah. david posternock uh but outside of that who is your choice uh for the top scorer points wise or goals wise doesn't matter 
Uh, I mean, I think it's still pretty easy to map out that. I mean, Bergeron will be right in that mix too. I don't think he's going to be like, even if he's fully healthy, 82 games, which the Bruins will be thrilled about. I don't think he's going to like, you know, crack a hundred points. Who knows? But, uh, I think if it's outside of that top line, especially, I still think it's pretty easy to chart out that it's going to be Taylor Hall. I think even with the question marks of, you know, where the coil is a good fit, I think you have to be encouraged by what you saw from him in this preseason about how, just how he's, how he's playing, how he's, you know, dictating the, the pace on that line. As much as Charlie Coyle's a puck possession guy, you saw just how affected Taylor Hall is when he's holding on to the puck, whether it's in transition. Um, and I think we've talked about this before that not only is he a good fit with Coyle and that, you know, having kind of a, a puck dominant winger could open up Coyle to simplify his game and get more into grade A ice and get those chances. I mean, Taylor Hall is just a, a a lethal passer anyway. Like as much as people talk about could Taylor Hall score like 30 goals. Uh, I think, you know, my projection is that he hits at least 60 points. I think, especially if he's getting that, uh, the reps on the first power play unit at the net front, I mean, he could get 60, 65 points easily, but I think for him, it'd be more of a, you know, 20 goal, 45 assist kind of season. That's kind of how Taylor Hall's, you know, he's not like this, proven sniper he's more of just a great playmaker a guy that can play with pace uh hold on to the puck and play off of his centers without having to make them kind of do all the work which is a luxury for the Bruins to have having this guy that can kind of drive play on the wing so um yeah it's not like a, a Super Bowl prediction I guess right the, saying the hot trophy winner is going to you know be the guy <laughs> outside of the top line to score but um I definitely think you just look at the way he's playing and I think there was you know concern about, all right, well, they signed Taylor Hall, that's great, but if David Krejci's not here, like, just how lethal is that second line going to be? Remains to be seen, just, you know, the ceiling of them, especially if Charlie Coles is there full-time, but I think you're in pretty good hands with with Hall playing the way he is, because it looks like he hasn't lost a step from last year. Yeah, I mean, also, Taylor Hall is going to have a lot of added motivation this year, trying to make Team Canada. I mean, I don't think he's going to. I think it's going to be kind of difficult. Uh, for him, pretty but stacked squad. <laughs> pretty stacked squad, but I do think there's that added motivation there. That would be my pick as well. Another pick I will give you is Craig Smith. I think Craig Smith could easily benefit on that second line from scoring a fair amount of rebound goals, obviously just regular shots, um, some getting some added assists in there, here and there. I think that's another guy who you could pin for 50, 55 points maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think on that second line, if, if Taylor Hall's going, I think Craig Smith will go right along with him. So um, that would be my pick for uh, – that would be my secondary pick because obviously Taylor Hall I think is a pretty obvious one. Another one, if we want to get a little crazy here, Charlie McAvoy. How about that? You know, I mean, Tory Krug used to – Tory Krug used to be like fourth on the team in points back in his day with the Bruins. So, you know, does a guy like McAvoy, you know, with his time on the first power play unit – added experience does he eclipse 50 points i mean i don't know if he does i think he's obvious norris uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm, i mean i think he he could easily hit that if he stays on that top power play unit and i mean you look at how impressive his numbers were last year in the postseason especially i mean he was i think first or second amongst defensemen in power play points for 60 granted a lot of it was you know uh some secondary assists just feeding the puck back and what do you know when you feed the puck to David Pasternak and Brad Marsh, and usually you pick up points, but regardless, it's going to help his stat line quite a bit if uh, if he's on that top unit. So definitely, I think he's in the mix. We'll be right in the conversation for Norris. And uh, considering what Cam Neely said on Wednesday about the Bruins hopefully getting close to signing a contract extension, 
be very smart for the Bruins to do that before the season starts because he's going to rack up points and whatever his payout is going to be, is going to be a whole lot higher than what we're projecting probably right now at the start of the season. Yeah, the, the Bruins waiting a while to sign him is not exactly a great bet. Uh, and also maybe putting money on a guy like Charlie McAvoy winning the Norris might kind of be a good bet. But if we're talking about the best bets, Connor, where is that? Evan, let me tell you. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back. The Red Sox are in the ALCS. Incredibly. The Bruins and Celtics are almost back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. 25 years. That's like double Evan's age. Listen, wild, right? Wild. <laughs> These guys have been in business for a long, long time, and they know their stuff. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So join now. Check out the multiple offers they have on the table, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit when you use promo code BSJ. That is promo code BSJ. Evan, can I tell you something? Can I tell you Ooh, something? Go, go for it. Go for it. No one beats that. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? I bet at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, enter promo code BSJ when you sign up, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. BetUS.com, where the game begins. They should change the promo code to bushes because people are coming out of the bushes. To, that is know. true. I'm glad it's that just, like we're. I'm glad we're now getting people like tweeting at us that about coming out of the brush. That yeah. Like, oh yeah, not bushes. Brush coming out of the brush. Just <laughs> promo code brush. People are like what? <laughs> Anyways, it's effective. Uh, it's funny. I was, yeah, it is effective. I mean, it shows loyalty. Um, it's funny. I was watching uh, the uh, NHL and ESPN on Tuesday night. It was the the first game was whatever Lightning and the Penguins was just kind of a boring meh game. Quite, quite dreadful game actually. Yes, really if the, you're watching the hockey for the first time on ESPN, holy shit, oh, that was not great. Boring game and Tampa's Tampa's crowd sucks. And I think that yeah. that that gets overlooked so much. But uh, that's a whole other thing that we'll probably talk about at some point this year. But uh, the Seattle Vegas game was great. Um, that was an awesome game and it was just a whole spectacle of Vegas. Um, it was a good place. It's funny. I was kind of against the whole Seattle starting out on the road. Like you think back to Vegas, for instance, like if they started out on the road, you'd be like, why, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but Seattle starting in Vegas, not the worst place in the world. Uh, but it's so funny because, uh, I tweeted out a picture of the old versus, uh, <laughs> graphics and said, Hey, look, it's, it's NHL on ESPN. And I'll tell you, Connor, I was probably up for like an hour watching old Bruins game, uh, Bruins highlights from like the versus days, uh, from like 2006, 2007. And I was just amazed. I was amazed by it. I was just like, I, I was taken aback by it. I, I couldn't stop watching. Um, but anyways, that was a little tangent there, but yes, I, I, I love the verse because someone said on Twitter, they were like, Oh, the versus days used to kick ass. And I was like, they did kick ass. I want to go watch. Uh, some highlights of those games. A lot of Thrasher games. A lot of Thrasher's Bruins were on. Good throwback. Great throwback. Um, all right. Our next question: Do David Krejci and or Tuukka Rask return? I will start. 
I hate to kill people's hopes, but I do not think David Krejci returns. I don't. I don't think it happens um, ever. I don't think he comes back at all. Um, no, I don't think he's anything against here. I think he's just home. Like he's comfortable at home. Yeah. Um, and he's older, and you know all those things. Tuca though, I think Tuca does. And I don't know how. I don't like. We've said this all off season. I don't know how this is going to be like. Well, how he signs a contract. And I'm, well, I'm, I'm fucking with this. This is true. He does sign a contract. Um, but, but, uh, I do think he returns. I just don't know like what the capacity is. But after I heard him say on the Greg Hill show that like he is fully planning on coming back, they're going to bring him back. I just don't know like how they're going to execute it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you about Krejci, I think. I think he's home, he's happy, he's racking up points in the Czech League. Who knows, maybe he takes uh, H.G. Olomouc, which I probably just butchered that name, uh, <laughs> takes that team on, on a miracle run, because I don't think they were considered like a top-tier team in the Czech Extraliga. Who knows? Goes on a crazy run of his own there. Um, but then, again, we've talked about this multiple times, but look at all the other factors involved with, you know, would he be leaving early to qualify under the, you know, the trade deadline, deadline, you know, deadline of signing on a NHL team, going through waivers, all that stuff. I think it's just too much of a, a hassle and, you know, unlikely in terms of him coming back. Rask, I think it's literally going to be dependent on the state of the Bruins goaltending because, I mean, what, what do you do if, you know, even if Rask wants to come back, if Olmach, who, again, people are maybe a little bit concerned about, but, I think we give him a few months to get him, you know, get adjusted. The Bruins seem to be, you know, not hitting the panic button in terms of they expected a slow ramp up anyway. So, you know, hopefully he rebounds as the year goes on. The If Ras does come back, the likely scenario is what? You send Swayman down to Providence because he's waivers, you know, exempt. But I don't know. What if, you know, Swayman, what if we get to December when Ras is starting to get back on the ice and rehab and then Swayman's... 11 and two with like a, a nine, three, one save percentage. Like, yeah. yeah are you, are, are you going to just carry three goaltenders? What happens when you get to the playoffs? Like, you know, the Bruins by signing a guy like Olmach and having a guy like Swayman, I think it goes in line with their thinking of, you know, during the regular season, you, you can have multiple, you know, top tier goalies. You don't have to have a guy have 65 stats and, and drain them before the playoffs start. But when you get to the playoffs, you need to identify one guy that you have to go with. I mean, we've talked about it before with, you know, last year when Rask was hurt was the better option to go with Swayman. Like, I think when you get to the playoffs, you need to have one set guy to turn to. And if Rask is in the equation with Swayman and Swayman's on this crazy run, also adding in Omar, you signed to a $20 million deal. Like, what do you do? <laughs> so I think right now... I'm going to go 60-40 that he's not back. Cause I mostly off of the fact that I think the Bruins are going to have a very special player in Swayman. And I don't know how you can justify, you know, handing a guy an Olmark 20 million and having a guy like Swayman who's on a crazy run and cutting their reps, if not sending Swayman down to Providence. Like the optics of that maybe aren't that good for well, some part of the Bruins fans. It's probably Bruins fans who would do a backflip if Rask was able to come back and they just passed on him. But um, it's all going <laughs> Sweet, to Sweeney in, in front of everyone, like a live no to a proposal, yeah, you know, yeah, like I, when someone gets proposed, there's like, no, like in practical jokers, uh, thing like, yes. no, people will be so, like, yes. so again, it's a tough situation. We've talked about this before that it's almost like, uh, 
Charlie and Always Sunny, where you got like the map with all the different like <laughs> just, uh, sketches and trying to map out how you work out a scenario where all three of those guys on the roster. I don't think it happens unless again Olmok really really struggles or Swayman goes through a a full season kind of slump. Could happen, but if it doesn't, I don't see how you justify bringing him back when you've got two guys already working well. Yeah, so I I don't like. Under your thing, again, I think Swayman's going to have a great year too. I just, I think it's very them to bring him back. Not like, I just, I have an instinct that they're going to bring him back. And then they're going to make it messy because then it's like, well, what do you do in the postseason? Yeah. Remember Rask had said, even if I come back at a limited capacity, you just kind of mentor the goalies. And I was like, well, dude, like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> like you do other things. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it, and we've said this all along. It comes down to how are Swayman and Olmark doing? But I still think even if they are doing well, they're going to want Rask back um, and they'll bring him back uh, to, to complete that. I think they will. Um, there are a lot of teams who probably could kill for Rask, by the way. I think there are a lot of teams that would pay him triple what the Bruins are going to end up paying him, like the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> but, the but, Maple Leafs. Yeah, the Maple Leafs. What a, what a plot in the simulation that would be if Rask is now the starting goalie. It's people who are just punching their like, kind of stereos right now. <laughs> Char on the Islanders, Rask out in Toronto. Um, Anyways, all right, so now we go to trades. Now, what do you think will be the trades that they make? Won't be Matias Ekholm. Matias Ekholm literally signed Wednesday, a four-year deal. So it will not be Matias Ekholm. But what – I don't know if we can really do players unless it's, like, someone notable. Because every year the Bruins go after people you never expect. But, like, what do you think they're going to trade for? Yeah, I think, honestly, if they're upgrading their defense – I see it more as like a third pairing kind of not depth piece, but like a third, you know, third pairing right side guy. Um, you know, almost, I won't like name specific plays, but a guy like, you know, what we said, like Hockenpah was like a, a yeah. set third pairing guy who can give you 16, 18 minutes, play a tough game and kind of shore up that spot. I don't know if I'd have to look and see who's available in the trade market on the left side, maybe like Hambus Lindholm, like a guy like that could, could be in play. So, um, but I see them more looking at uh, a piece like that, like a third pairing guy. That being said, uh, I, I'm i going to go with the bold projection that I think Charlie Coyle is going to be pretty good at second line center. And I still think they go and trade for Tomas Hurdle. I think they win the sweepstakes and give up Sidnika, a first round pick, other assets and get him because based on what Cam Neely said today, or on Wednesday about, you know, looking forward, the biggest concern, even though they've got these pieces in place to build forwards the future and Pasternak and McAvoy, you need center depth. You need guys beyond Bergeron. And even if Coyle's playing well, uh, it's a good problem to have this season to bring in a guy like Hurdle and you bump Coyle down to the third line. And then in the coming years, whether it's Bergeron leaving or he saves for another year, you need a legit second line center. And there's no one ready in the system right now. You know, maybe Zuniga, but if, even though it's going to cost a lot, especially now that more centers are off the market, like Zabinajad, I think, uh, I think they go out and get a hurdle. So I think that's the big move they make. I love that. I love that, uh, prediction. I, I also don't think you can go out and get your center. You can't get your center of the future in free agency. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, guys are, there's really not that many other set or guys that are like, you know, 31, 32, 33 now. Like what ends up happening is, what ends up happening is, you know, we look two, three years down the line in free agency and go, oh, that guy's like Barkov a few years ago, available this off season. Oh, in three years, Barkov's available. They could go for Barkov. And it's like, no, like teams kind of get their shit in order 
yeah. the, the season before. Like McAvoy, for instance. Like maybe some St. Louis Blues podcasters, you know, three years ago were like, oh, Charlie McAvoy is going to be an RFA in the offseason <laughs> of 2022. But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I love the idea of trading Stadnika, a first rounder, because I think you built up this, the stock of Stadnika enough. Um, and whether or not he comes up and plays, I think he'll be good in Providence, good up at the NHL level. I love that. Uh, my gut instinct is they traded for Jack Eichel. No, uh, <laughs> I, <didn't go> there. <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't, who knows <laughs> at this point? I mean, Hey, I don't know if you guys saw his tweet the other day when he said that if the Red Sox got two straight walk-offs, they'd play for free. So I, I, I don't Keep know. Keep on talking about this, Evan. Good, good, good I don't know. scoop by you. Yeah. I, I had that one first, by the way, for people who didn't see the tweet, I made that, like I, I did that in what Photoshop. Yeah, I know. Oh. Isn't that wild? I want to be the people who took that seriously. Like I, I wanted to see like some news site take that and be like, look what Jack Eichel said. Um, I think they will go out and get what you said, a third or uh, or a third, a third pairing defenseman, right side, left side, guy who can play both. Um, I think that's what they end up getting. I would love to think they'd win the Tomas Hurdle sweepstakes. I have a weird feeling they won't, um, <laughs> just because they typically that don't win these sweepstakes. Yeah. So, I, and I also think that. You have to secure – I feel like a team like Philadelphia would go all in for a guy like Hurdle or or someone else. I just – the Bruins don't usually win those sweepstakes, so I'm kind of going on instinct here and saying they don't go for – they don't get Hurdle. Uh, that being said, though, I guarantee you their name is going to be around them all, all the season. That, yeah. All season. That him, is going to be constant rumors. Him, uh, yeah, Lindholm, all those guys. Yep. yep. You're going to hear it a ton. So uh, I don't think they end up getting him. You think they uh, they do. So we differ there. Uh, but I do think it would, I would, I'd love, I'd love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong on that because I think that would be a great addition and someone that you can lock up for six years. You know, you know, that is going to, it's going to be uh, a top six center for you. X factors, X factors, always fun. I will go first on this. I think the X factor of this team is your third and fourth line scoring. And I, and here's why remember at the beginning of the show, when you, uh, we both said what would dismantle this team, aside from the world ending, would be defensive issues. I said the reason I picked that was because I figured the goal score, you know, the depth scoring would be fine. The forwards would be fine. They could fill in for one another when they were slumping. Well, if they aren't, if Nick Foligno doesn't do anything, if Eric Holla doesn't mesh, if Jake DeBrusque looks like last year's Jake DeBrusque, if the fourth line doesn't do anything, I mean, you're in real trouble because you don't have David Krejci up there on that second line anymore. So for me... The X factor of this team is your depth scoring. Yeah, no, I think if we're going to go with just one player, I have Nebraska's mine, I think. There's obvious ones, right? We're not going to talk about goaltending, all that stuff. Marchand. Yeah, exactly, you know, uh, or McAvoy or what have you. But um, I think if you're looking for a proven, maybe not proven is the right word, but a guy that can get you – 15, 20 goals on that line. I think Howell is a great addition. I think Felino's going to do the little things, maybe not count on the score, on the score sheet, but if you need a guy that's going to bury those chances, it needs to be DeBrusque and he needs to be a guy that adds that added punch after that, that top six unit. So I think the odds are in his favor. You know, there's more stuff working in his favor than against him now in terms of a, a bounce back season beyond just the, basic, you know, fancy stats or the regression to the mean that we expect, like that he's not, he can't be that player, right? But also you look at the fact that he's with a guy in Howla who maybe is catered more to his style of play. He's going to be at left wing where he really wasn't that much last year, couldn't settle into a role. 
bit of a more of a normal season, all those things that added up to it. I think he's due for, again, is he going to score 25 goals? I don't think so. But if he gives you 16, 17, 18 goals, you know, 35, 40-ish points, that goes a long, long way, especially on, on a third line that you definitely need more established five-on-five scoring from. I feel like we're lowballing DeBrusque. I feel like DeBrusque is one of those years where he puts up almost 30 goals, super productive. Like I feel like this could – dare I say this could be the year. The year you're finally validated the, of – The year. If I just say this every year, I have to get it right at some point, right? No, I honestly do. I think kind of the, the – everything's, as you said, working in his favor with stuff. I wouldn't be surprised to see him – you know, for him to – break out of the gate with you know yeah seven goals in 10 games or something mm-hmm. like that wouldn't uh, be surprised I, I, and i also say an honorable mention is mike riley who i think there's some skepticism of you know when he signed about where he fits in whether he's redundant next to a guy like grizzly but i think the bruins really value maybe some we underrated last year just how key he was to kind of you know sparking that five and five offense down the stretch when they went from kind of bottom of the barrel you know uh in like the twenties, you know, 15 range in terms of five, five scoring. Then they jumped up to, I think like top five down the stretch. And I think he played a big part in that. So uh it'll be interesting to see if he just maintains that level or even takes a step forward because last year was definitely a breakout season for him. Um So I think he's going to be a key component on that team and where he kind of fits in. Cause he played a big part in the way they kind of bounce back in terms of that offensive production. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Those are definitely two guys I would have as X factors that whole depth scoring Thing. I, I just kind of grouped together. All right. Now we come down to what everyone is waiting for. Where do we think the Bruins are going to finish in the Atlantic? And what do we think they're going to do in the playoffs? So I will let you go first on the division. And then I will go first after I get my division pick for what I think happens to them in the playoffs. So where do you think they finish in the Atlantic? I think they finish third in the Atlantic behind the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. And I think getting Thomas Hurdle and I think you weigh him, his addition, plus I think a lot of bounce back candidates, uh, Hall having a strong season. I have the Bruins. Is it a homer pick? No, I'm not going to win the cup, but I think they're going to lose to the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. I think they're going on a crazy run. I think uh, they're going to get past Toronto once again. I think Tampa is going to ha- be upset along the way, which opens the door a little bit for them. I think the, you know, the, fatigue of going through two cup runs i think eventually has to catch up to him i think they're due for an upset somewhere along the way opens the door for them a little bit more uh tough seven game battle against the islanders in the conference finals i think they get to the Stanley cup final against the golden knights where they lose to vegas who unveils their secret ltir weapon in jack eichel fresh from his uh fusion <laughs> surgery they can skip the cap crunch with it and Jack Eichel leads them to a Stanley Cup uh, championship, the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's my Jack, prediction. Jack Eichel leads the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup. I love that. Okay, so uh, I also have them in third. I'm I'm annoyed that you also had them in third, but whatever. So third place. But I have the Atlantic looking differently. I have Toronto in first. I think they finish first. I think Florida finishes second. And I think Tampa finishes fourth. I think Tampa has a rough regular season, up and down kind of year. As you said, the fatigue sets in. I think – I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Bruins beat Florida in that first round. I think Toronto beats Tampa. I think Toronto beats Tampa at our front just to win the first round, just to play the Bruins in that second round and lose. I think the Bruins beat the Maple Leafs in that next round. Like you, I have them playing the Islanders. I don't – see, I think if they can get out of the Atlantic, I think they're in the cup. Because I can, I, I'm telling you, 
in that Metro division, the Islanders were their toughest opponent and they outplayed the Islanders for most. Hopefully Islanders fans don't watch this. Uh, cause Matt, Dude, I was going to say, we're going to go on the YouTube channel. It's going to be just <laughs> random dudes from like Hampstead who are going to start berating us in the comments what again. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. Finding us on this website, but so I have them beat, I have them beating the Islanders and then I have them playing Colorado. Um, and I see it's funny because I initially, if Tampa, I think if the Bruins face Tampa, I think they lose. So I think if Tampa finishes second, I think they're out in the first round. But, and I have that written here. If Tampa finishes second, Bruins are out in the first round. But if they don't, I think they go to the cup final and play Colorado. Um, I think that's how it goes. I don't, oh, I can't, we can't both say that. Well, you said they'd lose, right? I said they're going to lose. Yeah, if I say they win, then it's like, oh, one says lose the cup, one says win the cup. Yeah, I, think so I don't know. We, I mean, we are being very optimistic. There's probably a lot of people who are, again, punching their already destroyed radio <laughs> to say that we're being too much of an optimist. But again, this team could – a lot can go haywire with this team. I mean, I think it was a Frank Valley who had them not even making the playoffs. But yeah. I just think, uh, again, a lot has to go right, but also – Fucking a lot of security for every team that goes on a cup run, right? Whether it's health or, or what have you. I just think whether it's the proven production you're going to have, uh, guys taking other steps forward, like, again, we don't know what Pasternak's ceiling is. We have not reached Charlie McAvoy's ceiling yet. Uh, you know, guys like Riley and Grizzly, as much as maybe there's concern about how they're built for the playoffs, um, they can be a very lethal decor. I think, you know, trying not to keep the Swayman hype train off the, you know, from going off the tracks, but. Guy looks good, man. Like, I think he's right up there with Knight, who I think is going to be a key reason why Florida is going to be a tough out. Both those guys look very legit. Um, and then you just add it with, you know, I have them getting hurdle, which adds a big difference. But again, we've talked about how many of these guys are due for, you know, bounce back seasons or just, you know, baseline numbers that can go a long way to adding to the depth. It's almost like the 2013 Red Sox where you, you had a lot of guys and, you know, five, six, seven, eight hitters who had like, great seasons, but also just having baseline numbers supplement kind of that offense for them went a long way towards getting them where they are. So if, if Howla, you know, gives you 35 points, if DeBrusque gives you 15, 20 goals on the third line, if Coyle's back and healthy and he's either doing a solid job on the second line, gets bounced down to the third line, no sec gives you eight, 10 goals. Like it all adds up. You've got a lot of pieces in place that not saying they're all going to have career years, but just, the way hockey is, how the variance is, that if those guys play up to their capabilities and supplement the proven production you're probably going to get from guys like Monashan and McAvoy and what have you, you've got a pretty good team. you got a team that, at the very least, we can say, I think is going to be in the mix, which when you get to a sport like hockey, that's all it takes, right? Also, what have we been, we've been saying this all off season? What's the one thing they've been missing for years now? It's depth scoring up front. And now they have, like, they have guys who are proven depth scorers. So I don't think it's crazy to say. I also think it's a very volatile team when you think about it. Like this team, you know, you mentioned Frank Saravalli has them missing the playoffs. We have them in the cup final. Like I think this team could go – literally can do anything. I don't think there's, there's a guarantee um, for each team. It's kind of not it's not so much a safe bet, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, I, the, the depth helps them a ton. And I don't know. I just – I mean, you remember last year, this past year, like – after they got Hall and Riley to deadline, they looked like a wagon. Yeah. Like they looked like a, I remember, people forget they were on the almost on the outside of the playoffs before the deadline. Like all, we were saying on Bruins beat and, and poke the bear, like they shouldn't do anything this year. You know, don't give up the farm for 
you know, someone to get you into third place and losing the first round, like just kind of punch on this year. If you get in, you get in whatever, but they didn't, you know, and they kind of went on a run. So, uh, and then they got freaking, they lost to the freaking Islanders, um, which I just will never got a guy from Jamaica, Jamaica Queens is now just jumping on the YouTube channel. You're saying, (sighs) but yeah. And again, like I try, I'm trying not to like, drink the kool-aid but I, I think going into this like let's say before camp started i was very much like second round again they're gonna be a fun team they're gonna make the playoffs but but i think you just look at some of the ways some of these pieces fit in and the you know debrus looks good he has another jump in it you know jump in his game coil looks very encouraging in that first game um swayman i think is you anticipate the worst for a rookie but Dude looks great. Like there's other pieces. If any, in place if that, any kid can avoid that worst, I think it's him. Yeah, I mean he looks he looks legit. So I think it's from looking at the preseason and how these pieces are falling into place. I think they've got something here. Which again, yeah, in a sport like this, uh, in especially predictions, which usually for hockey go haywire very quickly, but yeah, they they look promising, and that's all you can kind of ask for at this part of the season. Also, I will say, like in my prediction, if if they play the Avalanche in the Cup. That yeah, Avalanche that... team is notorious for kind of choking in in big spots. I mean, they you know like an Adrian, but if they pull an Adrian Dater and just say fuck it, like I don't know, maybe then they, <laughs> they win go. the cup. <laughs> they win the whole it's thing. True. That's why I have Vegas going because I I think whether it's you know I think people have like Darcy Kemper winning the Vezina again. I don't think he's gonna have to do as much work considering like how much they like to move the puck as kind of a smaller decor out in Colorado. But um, I think Vegas is more battle tested. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, especially with Eichel are, back. Yeah, especially with Jack Eichel on the. I'm telling you, I, I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna trade for him, and he's gonna be stashed away in LTIR. Yeah, that would be a. T- that's a great prediction. It's like so Peyton funny. Krebs and all these like uh, other prospects they have first round picks. I mean, they don't give a fuck about first round picks. They oh, you no. sign if you're signing Alex Petrangelo and these guys, you're kind of going for it. So you're, oh, Martinez, Petrangelo, Stone, like they are, they are going, and I, and I respect that. Like just going, like they will suck in five, six years, and they will be needing to rebuild. But they do have this little window here where they can try to win a cup. I don't blame them. I don't. I don't. They've completely committed to going all in. And, and good for that. They are not going to be a team that rebuilds on the fly. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so those are our predictions. Those are, uh, I don't, I, you had some wild ones. I think I, I was kind of conservative compared to what you had. I mean, you had them getting hurdle. You had Eichel going to Vegas. You had, I mean, you just had, you had some good ones and I, I respect that. So, uh, what can the people look forward to this year, uh, at Boston Sports Journal for Bruins coverage? Yeah, uh, you know, we're very excited to get it rolling again. Obviously, we're able to get one-on-one interviews, get more access now that hopefully the, the world's getting back, you know, back to normal a little bit more. So we're very excited to, to ramp up our coverage. We're going to have all the usual breakdowns, uh, you know, film reviews, uh, interviews, all that stuff, uh, working on a few features that we're excited to roll out that we'll have plenty more as year goes on, especially with the fact that we've got such a, a new cast of players on this Bruins team that I think there's a lot of stories that we're looking forward to telling over at BSJ. So we're going to have all that stuff over at bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe over at BSJ. You want to follow me on Twitter for news, musings, tweets, gifs, all that fun stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all of that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Enjoy the season. Have a great rest of your day.